Eye on 2020 episode 252. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here. Thanks for joining me on the Monday episode of Ion 2020, bringing you the news and related events of the 2020 election. Uh, thank God. Thank God that this uh, whole Iranian thing is not getting escalated right now. And over the weekend, like there was a lot of hard talk and everything like that, especially with this airliner that went down. I was kind of skeptical at first that... Iran would just like shoot down an airliner uh, whenever it was released, but it was it was a mistake apparently. And with like a hundred and some odd Iranians on there, I'm pretty sure it seems like it was a mistake. I've heard people say, "Oh no, it's not a mistake. They did it on purpose." But you don't just shoot down an airliner just for the hell of it. Uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and I always look for you know the easiest the easiest answer to a question, and that would definitely be. Uh, that it was a mistake, that it was just some random person that thought there was a missile coming in or something like that and shot down the plane by mistake. I mean, but there was this whole escalation that went on last week after this the uh, Soleimani assassination, and then the Iranians went and they lobbed several, you know, 15 missiles at some bases in Iraq that were occupied by American, like that were, that had troops, of American troops in there, but supposedly the Iranians let the Iraqis know ahead of time where they're going to be bombing and that led to them letting the Americans know who then kind of like took cover and did what they needed to do there was no casualties and the, the Iranians said oh that's enough we're good you know that's a good retaliation but it wasn't good enough they did kind of leave the door open that kind of scares me a little bit as well and then Donald Trump did not retaliate on that, except for with sanctions, which technically sanctions are a retaliation. You can't say that sanctions aren't a retaliation because sanctions are essentially uh, the equivalent of, like, the you know, back in the old days you had walled cities and people would um, go inside the walled cities and then the armies would surround the city and not let anything in or out type thing. Um, that's basically what sanctions are, is is telling those people you can't have food and anything else from outside that country now obviously other countries do trade with iran but america's not going to trade with iran and also they're going to put um sanctions on like the monetary usage as well and that allows it so it's hard for them to sell oil because oil is sold in u.s dollars things like that um but those that's what donald trump ended up doing in retaliation which i think is a little bit better than i guess a hot war per se um but who knows? I mean, I'm just, I am just happy that they're not saying, all right, you know, start the draft, load up. We're going to start sending troops over there and start bombing the crap out of Iran and start invading this country. I'm just happy that that's not the case. And uh, we'll see, though. I mean, it's only been a week. It's only really been a week. A little over a week, sorry, a week and a half since the assassination and then the retaliation. It's been less than a week since that little retaliation side of it, and we'll see what happens. It's, it's It'll be interesting going forward, but at least, 
you know, they're not building up forces on the Iranian border ready to go invade like they were before. And you don't hear, hear Donald Trump out there making a case for it either. He, in his speech, he said, we want peace with Iran. We don't want a war and everything else. So, um, I don't want a war. I don't want my kids to be wrapped up in a war. I want the troops to come home. You guys know that. Taking a libertarian stance on this and taking my own personal stance on this, it drives me crazy that we have troops overseas. We have troops protecting countries that um, don't even want to protect themselves. And that drives me nuts. Um, Another thing that I saw, but you know, the good thing is, is that we don't have, you know, any retaliation by America for those for those missiles that were sent in into Iraq from Iran, um, that's a good thing. So far, we don't. Um, but another thing that I saw online today, in the last couple of days, actually, is Donald Trump was saying, "Oh yeah, the Saudi, you know, the Saudi government pays us for our troops and everything else," and basically saying that it is good that Saudi Arabia is paying our troops to go protect their country. And to me, I look at that, and I heard a lot of people saying the same thing as well, so I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. I cannot stand the fact that we have a president that would be willing to do that, that would just be willing to say, oh, yeah, well, at least we're, they're paying us to you know, have these troops over there. Because the thing is, is that government, if they have billions of dollars to pay to have our troops over there, why won't their own people protect their country? Why can't they recruit their own people into their army? Why can't they protect themselves? What is it that makes you makes people rationalize the fact that as long as they're paying us, it's okay? Because it's not okay that our soldiers have to fight and die, potentially, to protect the Saudi crown. These are people... The Saudi king, basically, we call them kings, we call them that because it doesn't sound as bad as dictators. But the Saudi Arabian government is a dictatorship. It's a dictatorship. They make the decisions for that entire country, whether good or bad, through one person. That's the Saudi crown prince, essentially. So we're propping up a dictatorship with our soldiers going over there and fighting, I think it's like 16,000 troops, and I don't know if they're fighting per se, but they're there for the protection of that dictatorship. But they call it a kingdom, they call him a king of, you know, they call him the crown prince, because it sounds better, but it's not. It's a dictatorship. And our soldiers are being used as mercenaries on behalf of the Saudi crown prince. And it's wrong, it's absolutely wrong. I don't care how much they pay us. Trillion, a trillion dollars is not worth the blood of one American soldier. Ever. To protect a dictatorship. It's not. And that's what I look at, man. It's just, um... It, it irks me that they would... That he would rationalize it like that. Because there's nothing that you can rationalize in that situation. Yes, our soldiers are the best trained in the world. They have the best equipment in the world. All that stuff, Right? But the Saudi people are not behind their own government. It's a dictatorship. So they don't have democracy. They don't have voting rights. They don't have things like that. I mean, I, there was m- multiple sh- shows that I've watched on this. I think there was a Netflix documentary that was on a couple months back that I saw. 
where someone sneaks in a camera and you see the mass poverty on one side and the mass wealth on the other side, as long as you're part of the, quote, Saudi royal family, then you're good. You get a paycheck every single month from the government. People are, you know, they just take in that money from the government. But then on the other side, if you're not part of that, if you're not on the in crowd, then it's mass, you know, just mass poverty over there. And you cannot speak out against your government or you'll have your head chopped off, essentially. So why would those people fight for their government? Why would those people stand up and join their military? Billions of dollars being spent on American soldiers to go over there. I just think it's wrong. And I'm sure you guys do too. It's it's absolutely terrible. I don't like it. I really don't. Um... And that, that's why I brought it up today, because, yes, Donald Trump on the economy has been doing some things that are pretty good here and there, you know, with the tax cuts and this and that. That's about it. It gives people a positive feeling that somebody that's a businessman is in charge, so I guess maybe that helps the economy to grow. But the economy is not specifically the stock market. The stock market's going up like crazy, but the stock market is going up like crazy as a direct result of all the money printing that's been going on because these companies, the valuations are going higher and higher because of the inflation of their, of those assets as an asset bubble. And the ownership in a business through stocks is an asset, right? So that asset is going to continue to grow up in value. So it, yeah, it helps my 401k, it helps my IRAs, it helps my stock investments. But it's not real wealth, Right. It's created wealth. So, but the stock market's doing good, so people think it's okay. There's low unemployment, so people think it's okay. Everything's going well. But he's doing terrible things on the international front in that way. Our soldiers as mercenaries in foreign countries. I don't care how much they pay us, it's not right. And not bringing the troops home as he said he would. Like, he ran on that idea, didn't he? So you gotta call him out. For the negative things that he does and, 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 you know, talk good about the positive things that he does. And I am willing to do that. Absolutely willing to do that. On this show, I've done it all, I've done it consistently. Where I'm willing to say good things about Donald Trump and I'm willing to say bad things about Donald Trump. And on the foreign policy thing, I don't think that he has control over that. I don't. I think that he is, there's just too much going on in the deep state. Where they don't have, or that he doesn't have control over that. He could say, tomorrow, we're bringing the troops home. And then, sure as hell, a day later, his advisors or whatever will say, no, they're not. He was just kidding. Or, no, they're not. It's actually going to be 5,000 troops leaving instead of 10. Or, instead of all. Or, we're going to keep a auxiliary force there or something. You know? Like, that's what they continue to do. They undermine them on every chance they get. So... Obviously, what he says does not go on the foreign policy issue. That's what it comes down to. But we need to, as a people, hold him accountable to those things. He's one of those people, I heard this on the radio the other day, and it made sense. He's run, his brand, part of his brand is keeping his promises, right? He always talks about, I kept my promise on the wall, I kept my promise on this, I kept my promise on that. So keep your promises 
on ending the foreign interventions overseas. Somebody else made it a point that um, I was I was listening to as well. Like he has always been consistent on Iran though with this. Like he's always been hard on Iran, but that's because one of his things during the during the, the his election campaign in 2016 was that the Iran deal was bad. And one of his promises was to pull out the Iran deal. And then he has to act hard-nosed on that particular issue. But everything else, I mean, he's willing to talk to Kim Jong-un. Why not? The leaders in, Af- in, 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 in Iran. Why not? Because of his position that he took during the campaign as well. But if we can get out of Iraq, if we can get out of Syria, if we get out of Libya, if we get out of Afghanistan... I think you won't have that bad actor as much in Iran. I really don't. I think one of the things is is that we are a destabilizing force over there. You constantly hear this, though, from the American leadership that we're a stabilizing force and that Iran is the destabilizing force, right? That America and America having troops there is a stabilizing force, but that is completely the opposite of the truth. America is not the stabilizing force over there in Iran, or in Iraq, or in Syria. If anything, whenever we supposedly defeat one group like Al-Qaeda, then another group pops up. And then we defeat this group, and another, and another group pops up. Like this head of some kind of... You know, it's like you ever see that one game that you play at the fair where a little head pops up and you hit that and then it goes down. I think it's like gophers or whatever. Then you hit that head. Like every time we defeat one, a new head pops up because it's not st- we're not a stabilizing force. Because every tr- bomb that's dropped on an innocent civilian causes a hundred people to hate us. And the next thing you know, there's instability in that area. So if we pulled out. I would assume that, yes, there's going to be power vacuums filled. And it may not be the power vacuums that we like that are being filled, but it's pretty stable in those countries before we get there. Iraq was pretty stable overall. Syria, pretty stable overall. Libya, pretty stable overall. Iran today, relatively stable. Yes, they're a brutal dictatorship. They're doing bad things to their people. That's true. But when we topple that government, what do they get? More instability. More fighting, more wars. More people looking to fill some type of void and have power. The status quo is better in Iran than to topple that that regime, for sure. The status quo is better. Maybe not for... The people that are there right now, but I mean, I'm sure 50% of the people are happy or some percentage of people are happy there. And obviously being a libertarian and being somebody that's, you know, more towards the minarchist spectrum of that libertarian, you know, where we look at limited government completely. Yeah, any amount of government almost is bad and any amount of government is, you know, going to be infringing upon your liberties and maybe they do infringe upon those people's liberties even more, but there's stability you can fight that not through war, but through the United Nations or trying to figure out how to 
solve their problems and get them into some kind of democratic form of government that they want them to have through talking, through peaceful interaction. That can be that can happen over there for sure, but you have the sanctions on there. All that does is makes the people or makes the leadership be able to blame their problems on the outside world by having sanctions on there. Oh, it's America's fault. Look, we're so poor because of this. Because of it's America's fault. Because of the sanctions that we've had on us for the last 20 years. It, it empowers a dictatorship when you put sanctions on them. But if you have peace, peace through trade, then those people are enriched. And at that point, they demand more from their government. And they demand more, demand more accountability from their government. But you know, I don't have all the answers to every single problem in the world or in the Middle East. But I do know this from a very much, from simply just the standpoint of morality. America should not be over there intervening in those countries. Because anytime we take out one target and one innocent life is killed, that is a tragedy. So, um, But I'm going to get off that subject for for the time being and move on to one more topic that I had that I wanted to talk about um, over the weekend. I was looking at some posts on Facebook and, you know, I read a couple articles as well. And in New Hampshire, there was like a, I guess, I don't know if it was a poll that was done of the Libertarian Party members, but uh, yeah, they did a poll for the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire and they sent out the mailer to everybody that was qualified to go to the convention, right? That was a member of the Libertarian Party in good standing and all that stuff. So they sent it out to these people and um, they asked who would they elect for president to represent or represent the LP for the presidential nomination. And they had different people on there, like Jacob Hornberger, they had Kim Ruff, they had several other people on that ticket as well. And uh, Vermin Supreme was on there. And Vermin Supreme ended up winning the New Hampshire primary. And that is a non-binding primary. When they go to the when they go to the convention in June, there it's non-binding, so it doesn't matter what happened there. They don't all those people that are going to the convention representing New Hampshire do not have to vote for Vermin Supreme, but he won. And you know, you guys know who he is. I, I'm not sure if you do. If you listen to the show for the last year or so, you, you would know because I did a couple episodes on him. Uh, so you go back and check through to search for Vermin Supreme. Uh, but he's a joke candidate, right? He's somebody that, uh, if you look at his views, if you look at his political views, he's very much a libertarian. He's very much a limited government guy. He's very much somebody who believes in um, not treading on people's rights and individualism and things like that. Uh, so ideally, his ideology is good when it comes to libertarianism. And I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. But he's a joke candidate in the sense that it's more of like a... It's more of like he's trying to make it a point to show how terrible the system is through his candidacy. 
satire. He's a satire candidate. And if he was the person representing the party, the Libertarian Party, on the national stage doing the media tour that they do of all 50 states trying to get votes, I just don't think that he would be my personal feelings. I don't feel, and I, and I do not come out for candidates on this show, but I also, I'm not sure how I feel about somebody like that voting for or being the representative of the Libertarian Party. But the New Hampshire, everybody in New Hampshire that was eligible, uh, he won that vote. You know how many votes he got, though? He got 26 votes, guys. He got 26 votes. Of 110 people in all of New Hampshire, this is the libertarian stronghold, supposedly, of New Hampshire. Only, I mean, this is where the Free State Project is at, right? This is the free, this is like libertarian utopia, supposedly. And 110 people are able to vote for the person that is going to go, or are are eligible to vote in this particular so-called primary. They sent a letter out to 110 people and 46 people responded and 26 of them voted for Vermin Supreme. That is not... That doesn't say anything about Vermin Supreme as a great candidate. You know what that shows me? That the Libertarian Party is weak in New Hampshire. That people don't give a crap about the Libertarian Party who are members of the Free State Project. People that are members of the Libertarian... or that proclaim themselves to be Libertarian in New Hampshire... When 110 of them are the ones that are eligible to vote in the in the Libertarian Party, that's a that that is a direct, you know, criticism of the Libertarian Party as a whole, I guess, and especially in New Hampshire, because yes, the Free State Project has two or three thousand members that are in New Hampshire, I guess, but the thing about it is that a lot of people in the Free State Project are not politically active. They don't care about politics. And that's fine. I don't care either. Like, I I don't usually vote at all. But the people that were able to vote ended up voting for Vermin Supreme. A lot of them did. But yeah, that's basically... Um, just tells me that the Libertarian Party is not strong in New Hampshire. And you have the ability to be very strong in New Hampshire, I would imagine, because you have this huge movement of people in the Free State Project that have moved up there, and on top of that, most people in like live free or die. It's the live free or die state. Like a lot of these people are probably pre-wired to lean towards libertarianism. I would imagine, maybe not in some of the places like Dartmouth. But in a lot of the places in New Hampshire, I'm sure that's the case. They're pre-wired to be, you know, receptive to libertarianism. I mean, that's that's the problem, man. That's the problem. Vermin Supreme is not going to become the nominee for president uh, on the libertarian ticket. If he was, I just don't know that it would be a positive thing. But, you know, if you listen to the guy talk, like I've listened to him talk in a serious manner before. And he really does understand libertarianism. He does understand 
individualism. He really does understand um, limited government, things like that. Things that libertarians tend to embrace. So that's a good thing. Um, and as long as he was able to stay on topic like that, I think that it would be a positive thing. But if he was going the route that he typically does where he wears the boot on his head, you know, and he's and he's looking to be more of like the joke candidate, then I don't think that it would be very helpful to the libertarian movement nationally at all. Uh, but that's just me. But you know what? The libertarian movement nationally, maybe not as strong as I thought it was, especially when New Hampshire it isn't even, you know, it's not that strong in New Hampshire either. Uh, 110 people eligible to vote in the New Hampshire libertarian primary, and 46% of them actually responded, so less than half. Whew, that's pretty terrible. Um, anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me for another week in the show. I don't know if you re- listened to the shows last week that I did, but um, I will only be doing the show Monday through or Monday and Thursday every single week, uh, just because there's not a lot of you know a lot a lot of new news that's happening every single day about the candidates and their policies and all that. So uh, that's that's the main reason, and also I just want to make sure that I can put out the best quality I can, and when I'm stretching to even find a topic i don't feel like that's very good quality at all but thanks for joining me every single you know monday and thursday and uh keep on coming back all right if you want to you can follow me on facebook just type in eye on the empire that's where i'm at also on twitter on eye on the empire if you go to eye on the empire.com you'll see any news stories that i come across that i like uh, about things that are going on internationally as well as nationally as well um and then uh, five-star ratings and reviews are helpful on Apple iTunes, but you can also give me a five-star rating on any of your podcatchers that allow you to do that. And then the best thing you do, though, um, is come on back on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.